This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries. Lent 2023 is not that far away. It's a fantastic period of time when we can make change in our life like often is hard to do at any other time. Well, I want to help you have the best Lent that you can possibly have. Each day I want to send you a very short video that you can use in your prayer, that you can use to reflect that will help you get to the other end of Lent and really have had a very successful Lent. If you're close to God, Lent and what we're about to do is exactly for you. If you're someone who's not so sure about God or even Lent, well, this period of time will be something that will really affect you very deeply. Well, to help you be part of Lent 2023, we've made it very simple. Just click on the link below. And then on Ash Wednesday, February the 22nd, you'll begin to receive a video every day to help you in your prayer and in your reflection. Do it right now. Click on the link below. Register for Lent 2023. Wherever you are around the world today, it's great you can be here with us. Well, today I want to talk about how in life sometimes taking the more difficult path is actually the best path. That sometimes opting for the more difficult way will bring into our lives greater fruit and greater blessing. But to be honest with you, we live in a world where we're seeking ease all of the time. I know I am in my life, and I think I'm like many people, seeking ease. Well, we visit churches in uh, all over the country and in countries around the world, in the Western world. What we would see very clearly is that there is a couple of very clear trends. The church, in terms of those who tend, it's getting older. And if we look for people who are under the age of 40, they are becoming far less in churches. Um, and, and we also notice that society is, is changing. And in some ways, society is getting harder to even live in. People are becoming more independent and a breaking down of relationships seems to be occurring in many, many places. There's a greater sense of loneliness, even people who have friends, even people who are married today than we've seen before. Information is now so great, so great, it's sometimes hard to figure out what's the right information. It's kind of hard to figure out well, what's true and what's not. Uh, relationships seem to be uh, somewhat transitory. It seems to be, as I said before, that people are lonely, but they seem to pass and we seem to go through a lot of relationships these days. Marriage as an institution certainly is not what it was in the past in terms of how it was valued. Violence all over the world seems to know no boundaries, whether it's just in our local street or even if it's at country against country in the talk of violence to each other. People are scared of all kinds of things today. I've had more people just say to me, I'm just living scared than I've ever heard ever before in my life. So when the question arises about getting involved in church, particularly for young people, you know what they say? Well, I've never known what it's like, so how can I be involved in something that I don't know. Think in all of our lives, there are churches or other religions that we don't even pay thought to. There are things that people spend their time. We don't give any thought to being involved. And in the same way, what we see is many people when it comes to church, 
They're not even considering it. It's not something that's being missed. It's not something that they're deciding not to do. It's just not even in their world. Uh, So if you ask people, how do you build church today? How do you build up church communities today? How do you build up this church community of people who are in all sorts of places around the world watching and doing church in the new way, which is so much online and so much through television? How do you build a church community like this? Because if you ask the question, well, what is a Christian man or a Christian woman today? Many people don't know how to answer that anymore. If you say, how do they act? They're not sure anymore. How do you be in relationships with others when you're in a church community? So many people say they don't know. Uh, what What would a community that people belong to even look like? There are many people who simply have no idea. Uh, And then when it comes to relationship with God, there are the committed people who've been trying for a long time, but the vast majority are not. The dictionary says that we're meant to, the, the dictionary defines the word dream in this way. It says it's a succession of images, thoughts or emotions passing through the mind during sleep. Another definition says, a cherished hope, an ambition, an aspiration. Now in our lives, in our lives, in our lives, uh, what would happen if we were to dream about what a Christian community, if it was working well, would truly be like? If Christianity in a sense was working right, you might say, what would it look like for the everyday person out there? Uh, If the Christian community that you belong to was the very best Christian community that it could be uh, in the whole world, producing the best people in the whole world, what would it look like? Because that's a question that I've been asking in my own mind. What would it look like? If we could dream it, could we build it? If we could dream it, could we plant it in our heart? If we could dream it, could we plant it somewhere? So that the place where we are is a place that with God's help, with God's, with God's way, that uh, it would transform the world. See, we live in a world of the instant. We live in a world where I can send emails to people all over the world and literally be on the phone with them at the same time and they receive my email instantly. Uh, we look at some of the, the issues that happen around the world, some of the big events of tsunamis and hurricanes and storms and floods, and we can watch them instantly as they're taking place. Uh, the software that I use to prepare my messages, that I do my research with, when I ask it a question, it researches thousands of books and gives me answers to some of the questions that I'm looking for. Have a look, even cooking in the last few years. Cooking's faster than it ever was. I remember when I was a little boy, there was no such thing as microwaves. Now you can heat things up in just a matter of seconds. Uh, In my parents' time, when it came to travelling, they would hop on a ship when they were young. They told me that. Even when they emigrated from one country to another, they did it by ship because people didn't catch planes. But now you can hop on a plane. I do all the time. And within just a matter of hours, you can be on the other side of the world. Living in, the wor- living in a world that's so fast is having in some sense a dreadful uh, effect and dreadful repercussions on people. Whilst technology is fantastic, 
On the one hand, we're rushing at things so much that we're missing things. Do you know that wisdom takes time to get? Do you know that knowledge takes time, experience takes time, deeper and deeper love takes time, building friendship takes time, building true community takes time, our relationship with God takes time. And yet we live in such a rushed world. Do you know that building a Christian community where we can love others and they can love us, where we can be known by others and we can know others, where we can celebrate others and we can be celebrated by others, where we can serve others and we can be served by others. Do you know that Christian community takes time to build? It does. And yet if we have a look and we think to ourselves, so, so how do we go about building church? How do we go about building up the Christian community for our life and for the life of those we love. My son, who is in his 30s, came to me a little while ago. He has four children between the ages of two and eight. And he said to me, hey, Dad, can I have a conversation with you? And he said to me, he said, Dad, he said, I want my children to have faith. I want them to know God. And he said, he said even in the Catholic school where they go, and where they go, to, we take them to church on the weekend, there's not a lot of kids children their age that go to church anymore. And he, and he said to me, he said, Dad, what do I have to do to make sure that my children, who are my grandchildren, will have faith one day? How, what do I have to do? How would I go about it? Where would I go to make that happen, Dad? Uh, see, here's the thing that we have to remember, that we have to remember is what is God's main work? What's God's main work? Here it is. It's you. It's you. You are God's main work. You are the apple of God's eye. Uh, you are the high point of his entire creation. God invested his love and his affection in such a way so that you would know him. Now, God's way is that when God draws people into his love, is that he wants to connect those people together. And that's what we call the church. What's church? Church is the people of God. And whilst church is done in the local setting where we sit in pews or chairs and we look towards the front and we pray together and we can say common prayers together and we can worship God together in many ways, we in many ways, even here, as we see an increase of sharing between people, in many ways, we even have church here, God's people gathered. And when God comes into our life, God seeks to draw us into a relationship with others where we can be loved and love others. It says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God, is, God is, has made us and God has created us in Jesus to do special things for him. And so church and gathering with communities of people is one of God's high priority ways of being. And even though that can be a little different in its shape and form for many people today, it's a priority for God to take place. Now you can stop and say, 
uh, say, well, how do I know more of God in my life? How do I know more of what God is asking of me in my life? Well, there seems to be a secret to God working in us and it is spiritual waiting, spiritual waiting. We stop and we say, God, I want something now. We say to God, I want success now. We say to God, God, I don't want my enemies to laugh at me. If anything, I want them to see and to look and to say, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. And, and maybe those who lose heart, you know, have lost heart at the things that meant to do, have lost heart in their relationship with God, need to know that God is going to fulfil his will. So what have we said? We've said that growing in our relationship with God takes time. We've said that building community in church takes time. We've said we live in a fast world and the world is going so fast and so many people in so many ways are isolated. That seems almost counter to church and to the world. And what I've learned in my life is that you have to make a decision to go after that which doesn't exist. If you seek church, you have to go after church. You have to go after it to find it. And it may not be close. It may be something that you've got to commit time and effort to. But God is there and God works and God builds us and God shows us. And by being committed to him, God can do amazing things if we'll be committed to him. In Isaiah 64 verse 4, it says, Since ancient time, no, no one has heard, nor ear has perceived, nor eye has seen God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Again, if we wait for God, God will work if we will work and, and be open to God. Since ancient times, no one has heard. No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any, God, uh, seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you to come and be drawn more deeply to him. God is waiting to draw people together, to do, to do their relationship with God with each other. In Isaiah 41, 40, verse 31, it says, But those who hope in the Lord, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope. I said to my son, I said to my son, son, you have to just hope. You have to trust in God. You have to realise that sometimes God's waiting and the reason he doesn't give us the things we want, even things that we think are precious, that we have to trust in him, but we also have to do our very best because it won't come to us unless we walk toward it. It won't. Uh, Let me tell you a story. And a story that we find in the Bible about God at work and sometimes walking the harder way. King Saul, we go right back to King Saul and to, and ultimately David. King Saul is the very first king of Israel. The people of Israel say to God, look at all the other nations around us. They've all got gods, we, uh, all got kings. We want a king. And, and God said to them, no, 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 I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your king. But the people complain and eventually God says to them, well, I'll give you a king. And he does say to them, this won't end well for you. And the very first king they have is, is a guy called Saul. Not to be confused with Saul who would become St Paul, but King Saul. 
And, and in time, the hand of God lifts from him. And he becomes jealous of a young man by the name of David. Many of us have heard the stories of David and Goliath, haven't we? And, and, and David kills Goliath. David, David becomes tremendously popular. And King Saul, he begins to get worried. He begins to get, feel threatened. And so he sets out to actually try to kill David. And David runs from him and David lives in caves and out of the way places, avoiding capture and avoiding death. And in time, other people come along and they join David. We hear about David's mighty men. And, 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 but these mighty men that join him, they're not so kind to King Saul. They want, a king, they want to kill King Saul and they want to take the throne and put David on the throne. But David won't let them. David won't let them because he says, God put Saul there. God put that man there. Even if that man is doing wrong, even if that man is not doing the right thing, God put him there and God will remove him in his time. In him, I trust. Uh, well, David and, his men, David and his men would go out from the caves and the places where they, they were and they would do certain things. And on one occasion, they get involved and turn up to a battle, of a, a war that's not their war. And what they do is they leave all of, their, of the women and the children behind and they go off to this war to help out another, another nation and, and they turn up and whilst they go off to war, their camp, where they are, where they live, is, is raided. And people come along and and they take all of the women and the children and they take them off and they capture them. And it says this in Samuel chapter one, uh, verse 30, uh, verse one. Now, when David and his men came to Zilzag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid on the Negev and on Zilzag. In other words, they had raided where uh, David and his men had, were staying. They attacked Zilzag, Ziklag, burned it down and then and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. And they killed none of them, but carried them off and went their way. When David and his men came to the city, they found it burned down and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Imagine going off to a war, to a battle, that's not your battle. And you go off to it because you think you can just help out. And you leave your women and your children behind. And then you find out that one, you're not wanted at the war. But then when you go back to your place, go back home, all of your wives have been taken. All of your children have been taken. All gone. And, and you think to yourself, I've made a mistake. Everything, it, all of that, that, these people that are the most precious people, are gone. And what does it say? It says, when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned down. Then David and the people were with him, raised their voices and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. Have you ever cried to the point of being completely broken? Cried to the point where you just literally run out of tears? Have you ever cried to the point where the sobs are so great that it strains your muscles. Many of you have. That's what happens here. Um, you know, and it, when, the, when my dad died, 
My dad was a hero to me. And I still remember when my dad died, it was just so tragic. And, 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 and to my four brothers, he had been someone who had been so strong and so wonderful. And my dad, you know, I, I'm absolutely convinced that if he needed to give his life for us, for my mum and for us, he would have done it without thought. He was a great, great man. I remember once some years ago when I was working and I was young in ministry, I was working in a ministry life with a group of young people and we had a building, a building that, to be honest with you, the the circumstances changed and we lost the building and I was the leader of this little group and and I should have worked really hard to keep it and I didn't. and And I look back now and think back, if only I knew what I'd do today, I'd have done differently and I've regretted it ever since, and even to this day. David felt disappointed. His men felt disappointed that they'd gone off to a fight that wasn't theirs, and it seemed so difficult. Um, They'd they'd done what they thought they should do. Um, uh, And then they, and, and, and when you make a mistake, when things don't go well, you sometimes find yourself in a place where you begin to question, was I even right in the first time? Um, you know, and so here they are devastated. And then the men turn to David and what we read in the scriptures is the men begin to turn on him who is the leader. David, it was in great danger, it says in verse six, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in spirit for their sons and their daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So David finds that he's being threatened because of the difficulty, the circumstances, when he thought he was doing wrong. And things, you know, and things just get worse because not only have they lost their, their families, their wives and their children, now they want to kill David and they want to blame someone. Have you ever been in a place where things have gone poorly and you want to blame someone? And have you ever noticed that blame doesn't really help? Blame doesn't help whether you blame others or you blame yourself for past mistakes. You made mistakes, you can blame yourself for the rest of your life, but it doesn't help. It just leaves you in the same place. And so we read in verses seven and eight, David said to the priest, Abathah, son of Amalek, bring me the ephod. Now the ephod was a, a form of clothes you wore when you prayed. So Abathah brought the ephod, to David, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered, pursue for, for you shall surely overtake and surely rescue. So what we see is what David does when David is stuck. David comes back to God and he says to God, now God, would you tell me what to do? He doesn't go away and think, well, I'm now going to have some, going to gather a group of people. I'm going to talk to them. We're going to get in some consultants and we'll make some decisions. We'll assess what needs to be done. Um, We'll read some good books. We'll figure out what's the next step. He doesn't do that. What he does was he go gets his prayer clothes. In other words, he puts on an attitude of prayer and he says to God, what should I do? What should I do? How should I proceed from here? And in the end of the day, that was what I said to my son. Son, you know, you want your children to, you want your children to go to church. You want your children to go to church. You want them to have faith. 
Son, you need to get yourself into a prayer posture. You need to put on your prayer clothes, so to speak. And you need to come to God and you need to express to God, this is the desire of my heart. You want to belong to a Christian community? You want to belong to a place that will love you, serve you, care for you, a place where you can grow in your relationship with God, a place where you can be in a relationship with people that you trust and yet you can't see how that can happen. That's why you need to come to God. You need to come to God and you need to ask Him. And so David goes to God and he says, listen, God, I've put on my clothes. I've got, he's got his heart into a prayer posture. He says, what should I do? What should I do? Should I pursue this band? And what does God say to him? God's answer to him is pursue, for you shall surely overtake and surely rescue them. Um, Another translation of the Bible says, when he asks God, what should he do? God answers him and says, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And, And so let's jump down to verse 18. David does pursue and it says this, David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken and David rescued his two wives. Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back everything. What we see is that when he was facing an impossible circumstance, when he was facing things that were difficult, he went to God and he said, God, what should I do? Now, do I think he got his commanders together and said, so how are we going to go and do this? Do I think that they did some great planning in order to get it done? Probably, because there's nothing wrong with all those things. But for many of us who are Christians, we quicker go to looking at, well, why is the church like this? We quicker go to, to criticising priests and pastors and the state of the church. We quicker go to that than we stop and we say, God, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Um, They felt lost. And in the midst of their feeling lost, David knows, I don't get angry. No, no, no. I don't blame. I go to God and I say to God, God, what are you asking of me to go to do from here? Uh, And so he goes back and and, and he shares it with others and they go back and they bring back everything. And what did the scripture says? Nothing was missing. Whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had had been taken, David brought back everything. And that echoes the passages from the New Testament where God says when things don't go right, if you're dedicated to him, he'll use everything for his glory. He'll use everything for good. And so he trusts God, David. David trusts God and God turns up. What are some things that we need to learn as we step forward from where we are? Number one, don't stop trying at your dreams, your destiny or your desire. Don't stop trying, fulfilling your dreams, your destiny, your desires, don't. No doesn't mean no. No means it's just not happening right now. And maybe God wants to give you more detail. God's delay is God working, remember? It takes time to grow in our understanding of who God has called us to. The instant doesn't have to happen now. I was recently talking to a young person who wants to go out and uh, they've got a car that they'd only said to me two weeks ago, works perfectly well. 
And then they walked in and uh, spoke to me and said to me, you know, I'm thinking of selling it because I can get a better car. And I've been to the bank and I've been to the mortgage broker and they've all said they'll, they'll lend me money. And I've been to the car salesman and the car salesman said to me, I'll sell you a car. And I said to them, but only two weeks ago, you told me the car was perfectly okay. They said, but I can get it now. What they want is the instant gratification of getting it now when they have a perfectly good car. And I said, but couldn't you save the money so that the bank, who of course are going to want to lend it to you, of course the brokers want to want to send it to you because he's going to get paid for it. And of course the car salesman's going to want to sell it to you because he's going to get paid for it. Do you notice all of them are getting looked after? But what you're doing is putting yourself into debt when you could just wait a bit, save a bit and be in a place because he wanted it now. Now, when we, when we look where God is calling us, we have to make sure we hold on to the goals, the dreams, the hopes when they don't turn up straight away. God will turn up if we keep our eyes on him and keep talking to him. Secondly, we have to encourage ourselves in the waiting. We have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Um, Want to know something? It says, it, it says in Psalm chapter three, verse five and six, things look worse in the night. Things look worse when things are dark around us. And we just got to make sure we look at our lives at the right times and make sure we're looking at it not when we're in the most negative spot, but we're in the balanced spot. We have to recognise when you first start to be encouraged, you know, you have to nip it in the bud. Think Scripture tells us that as you think, so you go. One of the things I noticed about me, if I start talking about, well, it's not going to work, 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 I can get down and down and down and down. And, and I remember many years ago when I was just a teenager, a Catholic priest said to me, he said, how are you going to control your mind in the future? And I said, what do you mean? He said, are you just going to allow your mind to go wherever it wants to go? Or he said, are you going to be able to take your mind and say to yourself, that's the direction I need to go in. That's what I need to be doing. That's the way I need to be walking. And when negativity comes up, you take your mind. And he said, literally, it's like you pick your mind up and you put it in a different direction. Some people can't forgive. You know why? Because they are more connected to their injury than they are to what is right. And this priest said to me, he said, so when it comes to forgiveness, you realise that you're hurt and you're damaged, but you make a decision that this is what I'm going to do because your mind tells you. What you concentrate on, the way you allow yourself to be, will be who you are. And so when you're beginning to be despondent, when you're beginning to be discouraged because you look at the church and you think, where is there any hope for my children? When you stop and you look and you see not many people around, you think, where will my Christian community be? And you begin to retract into yourself. They're the times you need to be more expressive. You need to be more engaged in your prayer, more seeking and pressing into God because God will come to you. Um, and when you begin to be discouraged, the thing that I've learned is you've got to do something to change immediately, not just take your mind but to be actively engaged in something that will change the way you're thinking. And then finally, it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, we have to resist the devil. You've got to resist the devil. The devil is opposed to you, is opposed to God's will in your life. The devil is against us. 
The, the third thing that I've learned about walking the long distance and walking the harder road is that we have to stay on the offensive. We have to stay on the offensive to keep ourselves encouraged, to, put, to listen to podcasts, to listen to, to messages, to listen to people that will build us up when things are delayed, when things haven't arrived just yet. Uh, I've learned in my own life that, that to me, I listen to praise and worship music by all sorts of churches, and there's so much of it around today that encourages, and, and, and I just don't listen to it. I make it my prayer. I make it my prayer. Before I come out here to, to pray uh, and to speak, I often will put music on, just put my headphones on and I will listen to, because I want to, the Scripture tells us that God uh, dwells in the praises of His people. And so by putting on praise and worship music, prayer music, God's there. And so I'm able to do what God has asked me to do out of a spirit of prayer rather than out of a spirit of preparation. Because years ago, I used to spend all my time preparing and then I always wondered why it didn't change people's lives. Because preparation doesn't change people's life. It's God's presence that changes people's lives. And we need that, even though we need the preparation, but we need the presence of God to truly change someone's life. Um, I go and I read the Psalms and the Psalms which encourage me. I have a list of scriptures that I think through and over that encourage me when things are delayed, when things are not coming. The fourth thing that I've learned is this, is that I've learned to pray to call on God and say, Father, I need your help right now. To my son who said to me, Dad, I want my kids to have faith. But most of their friends don't go to church. Most of their friends' families don't have faith. I said to him, son, call upon the Lord. Call upon God to come and for God to be his magnificent self in the lives of your children. And if you're seeking Christian community, wherever you are, whatever that looks like, you're seeking to be someone who influences others or you just want it for yourself, call upon God. Say, Father, I need your help right now. Don't maybe think of your father. No, 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 think of the perfect father and call to God and say to God, God, I need your help right this very time. And finally, pursue what's been lost. Just go after it. You don't become who you hope to become. You only become what you do. Don't stop and say, look at what others do. Don't stop and say, well, look at the limits that they've gone to. No, 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 go after it with all of your heart that you are called to go after it. Go after God. So God seeks relationship with us. We're the high point of His creation. God wants to bless us. But growing in a deeper relationship with God takes time. It's difficult and it, and it doesn't come easily. But God will be with you. And whether you're going through the everyday issues of life, know that God is with you. And if you have children or grandchildren that you want to come to faith, go to God. Ask God. Continue to pray. And don't worry about the results you see because God is a God who takes His time to do the things He does in our life and in the lives even of those whom we love. Loving Father, we come before You today and we thank You that You care for us and love us. Bless us, Lord God. Allow us 
to wait, just like David waited and then ultimately ascended the throne. Allow us to wait. And even though this pressures from others who will tell us negative things, will tell us to go out and fight and to kill. Allow us, Lord God, to trust in You. And Father, we make this prayer knowing that Your timing is perfect. In Jesus' Name we pray. Amen. Have you noticed in life that things sometimes just don't go right? They don't go to plan for you and even for those you love. Life can be so difficult, can't it? We look at Jesus, we can't say that Jesus had it easy. Jesus said to us, if you want to follow me, come take up your cross and follow me. In other words, do what I'm calling you to do and the harder road will lead to blessing in your life. That's what I've discovered about the Christian life at times, that the harder road leads to a far more wonderful and richer life. There are so many people today that you love, that I love, that have never heard the message of Jesus. They've never heard who He is and how He can affect their life. And unless we go after them to share the Gospel with them, to share Christ with them in words and images that they can understand, the truth is they'll never ever hear. And that's what our early arm ministry is all about. It's about how do we take the message of the Gospel and present it to people in the various things we do in order that they would come to a deeper love of Christ. Well, I wanna ask you, will you help me share the Gospel? Will you help me help people grow in their relationship with Jesus, that they would know Him and love Him with all of their heart? I wanna thank so many people who make this possible. I wouldn't be able to be here right now in all the ways we are if it wasn't for so many of you who've made this possible. I call those who contribute every month to our ministry, Faith Builder Partners, people who've gone into our website and set up ways of doing that. And, and I literally couldn't do, without exaggeration, I couldn't do this without you. To all of those people who contribute from time to time, you're precious to me and you make all of this work. Can I ask you if you would stand with me and you would help proclaim the Gospel, if you would help share Christ with me so that we can share the Gospel all over the world. So can I ask you to contribute today by going to either to this address or go to the Give tab and give your very best in order that other people would come to a deeper love of Jesus in their life. Loving Father, there are so many people that don't know You. Help us to declare You powerfully, Lord God, so that they would know You personally. And Father, we make this prayer in the Name of Jesus through the power of Your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for being with us. I look forward to seeing you next time. And don't forget, wherever you are, God is never far from you. This program was paid for by the friends and partners of Bruce Downs Catholic Ministries.